Thank you, Lord. I started last week, Grace for Living. Grace for Living. I got about half through with it, so let's just pick up where I left off. One last thing that I said last week, because I'm just going to preach about 15 minutes, we should get this pretty well covered. I shared that Niles Cup gave a prophetic word several years ago. And he said, we're going to see some of the greatest manifestations of healing we've ever seen. Because we're going to know what it means to come boldly to the throne of grace. That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And that's happening. It It took the grace message and the exchange message. For us to get a place where we can come boldly to the throne of grace without fear of rejection, fear of failure, all the fears. Where we can come boldly because of our identity and who we are to come receive what he's paid for. That you may obtain mercy. See, mercy forgives you of what the past. And find grace. Are we finding grace now? Every day are we finding grace in some avenue or some, something? Find grace to help in time of need. Mercy first, grace next. Mercy forgives you what you've done. Grace gives you what you don't deserve. It's his unmerited favor that he's made us accepted in the beloved. And if he's made us, I remember what he said to me in 74, 75, if I've made you accepted, who can reject you? Let me say that again. If I have made you accepted, highly favored, who can reject you? That's the answer to what Marion was saying earlier in the coffee shop and Alan's been saying. We don't have to apologize to this world for being Christians. We don't have to fear their rejection or what they think or what they have to say about us. Because we know who we are. Satan said to Jesus, if you be the Son of God. He never argued with him because he knew he was the Son of God. If you know who you are, you don't have to defend yourself. Amen. And that's what we need in the church today. People stand up and say, I know who I am, and I know what I'm about. I know what he's done, and I know what he's made me. So that's what in Hebrews chapter 4, 15 and 16. Let's just look at that right quick, and then we'll, we'll move on and finish this thing. Hebrews. Okay. I just happened to think about Frankie, and it just overwhelming. Hmm. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession, our confession. That means to say what God says. Your profession is what to say. It means to say the same thing. Say what God says about you. That's what the confession means. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched by the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like we, yet without sin. See, that's the root of the ministry that you're talking about a while ago. Jesus took all our rejections and all our insecurities and all our griefs and all our sorrows. He took that so we don't have to carry them anymore. Most of the church don't know that. They have a new spirit, but they're still living with all their garbage. But you don't have to. He took it. Let us therefore, what? Because of that, come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find the grace we need in time of hell. We need it. You know, in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1, in the Message Bible, 
says, come on, let's leave the preschool finger painting exercises on Christ and get on with the grand work of art. Grow up in Christ. The basic foundational truths are in place. Turning you back on salva- turning your back on salvation by self-helps and turning to trusting God. The Dave Study Bible says this, let's allow God's grace to carry us on to maturity. Let me say that again. Let's allow God's grace to carry us on to maturity. 1 Peter 2.2 2 says, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. What is the milk of the word that you grow by? It's his grace. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of his grace that we may grow thereby. How are we going to grow? By his grace. 1 Peter 3.18 says, But grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Grow in grace and knowledge. So that's something you can grow in every day. Every day we have revelations more of what Christ has, has purchased and paid for us so we can walk in it. That's the Holy Spirit's job. But we grow in that grace that he's given us, that unmerited favor. Grace is unmerited favor. Sometimes you need, instead of saying grace, just say unmerited, undeserved favor. Undeserved kindness that God has given us. Not deserved. Undeserved kindness is what grace is. We didn't deserve it, but he gave it to us. Undeserved favor. So we can, but we grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 John 3, 5 says, you know, Jesus was manifested to take away our sins and in him is no sins, no sin at all. Jesus did for this for us in three ways. He took away the penalty of sin. Second, he took away the power of sin. Third, he took away the presence of sin. He took all three for us so we don't have to carry it. He took away the penalty, he took away the power, and he took away the presence of sin for us so we can walk in the newness of life. Matthew one twenty one, when it says, when Mary and the angel talked to Jesus, and he says, you will bring forth a son and you will call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sin. Sin, the root of sin. John the Baptist says, now is the axe laid to the root. The church has tried to deal with sins and is still trying to deal with sins to this day. But you know, we need to quit worrying about sins and now let the axe be laid to the root. Yes. Amen. Jesus was the what? The last Adam. He was the last Adam. And he's a brand new man. And we are brand new people in Christ Jesus. He took by one offering, Jesus took care of sin forever. How long is forever? He laid the axe to the root of sin forever on that cross. So I mean, no, he's not worried about sin anymore. I mean, you know, God's not worried about sin anymore. So why do you need to worry about sin anymore? Paul said, let not sin have dominion over you no more. Jesus was manifested to take away our sin. 1 John 3, 8, it says what? He that sinneth is of the devil. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Why did Jesus come? For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. What is the work of the devil? Sin. How did he do that? By one offering. He took care of sin forever. He, likewise, it says in Hebrews 4, took part of the same, that through his death he might destroy him that hath the power of death, 
and deliver them who through fear of death was all their lifetime subject to bondage. And he has the keys of death and hell. It's all taken care of. And he said it is finished. So what does he want you to do now? He wants you to rule and reign. He's expecting his enemies to be made what? His footstool. In this was manifest. He said that he might destroy the works of the devil. Do you know what the word destroy means there? It's not what you think. How many of you know sin's still around? How many of you know the devil's still around? What's the deal? Has no dominion over you. He said, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. That word destroy has a little unique meaning. It just means to render inactive. Sin and the devil in your life through what Jesus has done has rendered those things inactive, unemployed. Unemployed. Doesn't mean they don't exist. It means as far as you being in Christ, it will mean nothing to you. Okay? That's what Jesus did. Rendered inactive as far as you're concerned. Sin and the devil are synonymous. You can't separate sin from the devil. Why? He that sinneth is of the devil. He that sinneth is the devil. So sin and the devil are the same thing. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested to destroy it. 2 Corinthians five seventeen. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a what? New creature. Old things are passed away and all things have become new. How, how many things? All things have become new. Colossians 1, 15 says, Christ, who is the image of the, in, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. Steve, a couple of weeks ago, used this verse, and it really clicked with me, Steve. You did a good job. Did you know you did a good job? You know, when he said Adam and Eve was created in the image of God, and male and female were they created. But when they sinned, they lost the image of God. They, they died, spirit, soul, and body. And this word in Colossians 3 says, Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. So in the exchange life, you have been recreated into the very image of God. Now stop and think about that a minute. Now how does that, what's that look like? Well, you don't know what it looks like until you are exchanged spirit, soul, and body. In the exchange, you've been recreated into the very image of God. And the Holy Spirit's job here on earth is to take what God already sees in Christ about us and make it real in our lives. We beholding as in a glass or a mirror the glory of Jesus are being transformed or exchanged, is the word, into the same image, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. The Spirit of the Lord, the Holy Spirit, is here to exchange us into his very image now. Not in the future, it's now. That's his job. So we can become what? New creatures. We have been recreated into the original image of God through the exchange. Ezekiel 36, 26, when God said this, this, this verse really set me on fire. Because for years, 
I taught this, and God in his mercy did it anyhow. Because you know really what happened to me in 74 when Jesus healed a lot of junk in my life. He didn't heal my old heart. He gave me a new one. I just didn't know it. You know, it says in Luke 4, 18, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up all their wounds. I mean, that's, that's Isaiah. But when he, when he said, you know, Luke 4, 18, he's come to heal the brokenhearted. But he, you know how he heals the brokenhearted? He gives you a new one. He don't repair the old one. The way he heals it is to give you a new one. Ezekiel thirty six twenty six. I will give you a new heart. And I will give you a new spirit. I'll take away the stony heart. And guess what the word take away means? Basically, to render it idle. To set it aside. He didn't destroy it. He just laid it aside and gave us a new one. And he says what? I'll put my laws in their hearts and their minds. I'll write them and they'll be my people and I'll be their God. And they'll not teach every man know the Lord. They'll all know me from the least to the greatest. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness. And their sins and their iniquities, I will just remember every once in a while. What's it say? No more. So where forgiveness of this is, it's over. It's a what? What's it called? A new and what kind of way? A new and living way. See, the old heart's wicked, deceitful, desperately wicked. And you know what? You can't change the old heart. You can't cleanse the old heart. You can't do anything with that old nature. That's why he has to give us a new one, a brand new heart. And you know we talked about in coffee shop, but you know your brain is a member. You have an old mind and you have a new mind. And the Spirit says be renewed in the spirit of your mind. That word renew is really exchange. The natural mind's not subject to God, never will be. The new mind is the mind of Christ. So if you be risen with Christ, set your mind on things above where Christ sits at the right hand of God. And when Christ, who is your life, shall appear, you will appear with him in glory. Okay. So see, you have a new mind. The Bible says you have the mind of Christ. But it also says the carnal mind is enmity against God. It's not subject to God, never will be. So what is this? You have a new mind and you have a no mind. So why is 2 Corinthians 10, 5 there? To bring into captivity some thoughts? Every thought to the obedience of that new mind. Is this new man thinking or is this old man thinking? Is this leading to life or is this leading to death? Is this leading to faith or is this leading to fear? You have a responsibility to decipher which one of these. So what Hebrews says, that you might discern good and evil. You might know which one is which. Choose life, don't choose the other. So it's always there before us to choose life. And, and that's our responsibility, to bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Okay? It needs to be trained. Romans chapter 12 says, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. Guess what the little word transformed means? Same one, it means 2 Corinthians 3.18, metamorphosis. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If you'll go back to that little word renew in the Greek, it says rebirth. Let me say that again. What does the word renew mean? Rebirth. What happens? It's a new DNA. Your mind is reborn with a new mind. It's an exchange. You can't do You know what Paul said to the Corinthian church? They didn't come behind in any gift. They had all the gifts flowing. They had all the miracles working their life. 
But you know what he had to say to them when there's jealousy, envy, and strife going on in the midst of them? You're carnal. You're mere men. You're walking as mere men. What was he saying to them? You don't have to live there anymore. He says, such were some of you, but you've been washed. You've been cleansed. You've been sanctified by the blood of Jesus. A new and living way. You don't have to go there anymore. See, one of the things that, that God's teaching us is the exchange life is you don't have to go there anymore. I know the first time you got the exchange, you started walking. It wasn't exactly easy, but you had to start bringing into captivity. Well, how many thoughts? Every thought. So you could walk into it. And sometimes it was a real battle day by day. But most of you, like me, know that you can go for days now without having to go there anymore. Or even being tempted with it. Okay? But it wasn't that way when you first started, was it? See? And we've been raised to walk with him in a new and living way. And it also helps to know that when he was crucified, you were crucified. That the body of sin might be destroyed. That henceforth you don't serve sin. For he that's dead is free from sin. So we're now living our life by the one who never sinned. And we're living our life by the faith of another who never went into unbelief. It's an exchange. It's a new and living way because it's not based on your performance. It's based on your identity in him. That he made you accepted in Christ Jesus. Boy, that's a good deal, isn't it? Jeremiah 13, 23 says, Can the Ethiopian change his skin or the leopard his spots? Then may ye also do good that accustomed to doing evil. Do you think a leopard can change its spots? I don't think so. Can you change the color of your skin? I don't think so. But then he says, So likewise you that accustomed to doing evil do good. So what is the prospect of you being able to change your life? Thank you, Lord. It's raining. It's beginning to rain. It's beginning to rain. So you know what's this saying here? With man, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. It's not about change. It's about exchange. There's nothing too hard for God. That's why a good tree cannot produce bad fruit. A bad tree cannot produce good fruit. By their fruits, you know it. Only the Holy Ghost can exchange you into the very image of Christ. If the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell in you, he that quickened Christ and raised him will quicken your mortal body by his Spirit that dwells in you. Romans chapter 8. In Ephesians 2, it says, In you hath he quickened. What does that word mean? Made alive. You hath he made alive. Oh, who were dead in trespasses and sins. You know, verse 7 says, This is the time that God wants to show us his exceeding rich and gra- riches of his grace and kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. Ephesians 2, 7. I want to look at that just a second. I saw something there just a second ago. But God, verse 4, who is rich in his mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in our sins, hath quickened us or made us alive together with Christ. How How are you quickened and made alive? It's in Christ. With Christ. By grace you're saved and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. 
picture yourself sitting there right now. That in the ages to come. Well, I want you to say, I want you to see something. We don't have to worry about the ages to come because we're already seated with him in heavenly places. Don't go flying off to the good old by and by. It's already here. That the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. What I'm seeing there, don't put it off. In Christ we have, in God dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete now in him who is the head of principalities and powers. It's now. It says, now are you the sons of God, not going to be. Now are you the sons of God. And it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he appears, we will be like him, for we'll see him as he is. See, every day the Holy Spirit is conforming you more and more into the right kind of thinking. He's renewing or exchanging your mind and growing us up. Allow the grace of God to bring you to the maturity. We started in the Spirit, so why don't we want to finish in the Spirit? As many as are led by the Spirit, these are what? The sons of God. For by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ into good works. Like that. Which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Now are you sons. Now are you daughters. Not going to be. Now are you. Remember, what's impossible with man is possible with God. What is impossible is him possible in Christ. Amen. Amen. How many of you want to eat? Thank you, Lord. Father, we just come thank you for this special time. We ask you, Lord, just to bless this food and make it good for us and take out all the sugar and all the fat so it will be good for us and we can eat any deadly thing and it will not hurt us. In Jesus' name.